Please note, this episode contains some strong language. Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. I will give you your proper name, like your actual name right now until you give me your other alias. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I will say that I am speaking to Lucy Me. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. It's lovely to, but, I mean, first of all, it's lovely to catch up with you, albeit virtually, because we know each other and we've worked together, And yeah. but it's been a while. It has been a while, like a real while. It's been a while since our garden centre encounters. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. Good cakes though. Good cakes. Slightly overpriced, but yeah. But always a nice treat. <laughs> and I agree. <laughs> and always lovely to see you there. <laughs> yeah, see, I was just like, so um, so it is one of those things that you work with somebody for a you know a period of time and then you all move on as we do quite often in the creative industries and we're doing our thing and and then you're just like on the old social media and keeping up with people and you're like, What's that person up to now? Oh my yeah. goodness, what's that what they're doing? And it's like this is the joy of having a podcast because then you can ask all the questions like what are you doing what are you up to and how's that and and yeah just uh, very much just really intrigued and um just really impressed with everything you've crammed in in the last like it feels like only a couple of years since we worked together it's amazing oh thank you um yeah I don't know <laughs> I've just been cramming it all in haven't I you should have I so we like I guess we first first met through through dance so we were both yeah. booked on a job as dance artists and um, yeah. I was looking at actually your Instagram like one of your Instagram pages and you'd listed dance artist poet yoga teacher stage manager and lover of life I love that <laughs> I didn't even know I'd written that <laughs> that might have been one of those like I've got home from a night out I'm just gonna update this because I'm feeling great <laughs> no. I, th- I think that's a, a perfect summary of you I think you are oh. a, a definitely you're a, an embracer of all the things but would you say like do you think you put dance artists first I mean I'm not going to go all philosophical on you but yeah. do you consider yourself to be a dance artist first and foremost or is it a bit do you know what? It, it's it's definitely shifting. Um, I think dance artist is first because that's predominantly like the the longest um, standing one. That's what I trained in. That's what my career has predominantly been to date. And and I definitely have not let. I'm not. I'm not. That one's not finished yet. It's not over. So it's still. I'm yeah. still pursuing it, but I'm starting to pursue it in a different way. Um, so. Yeah, I suppose that one comes first mostly just for for the fact that it's been so long term. <laughs> but the the poetry is something that I like I feel in my bones and that's something that I want to really work and pursue and that sort of exciting things are beginning to happen or have been happening and and I'm I'm really sort of trying to to push that one, I would say. Mm. A lot of people that come on this podcast, yeah, there might be a focus because that's maybe what they're doing at that moment. But there's definitely always been a journey there and there's always other mm. interests. And um, and some people have the time and the energy to pursue all of the above at the same time. And sometimes it's just like, for a period of time, I'm doing this. And then yeah. for another period of time, I'm finding a window to do this. And 
yeah, like human beings, we're multifaceted. We've got lots of interests, but it's cool that you've, I think that you've pursued them, maybe like how you would word it, like to the next level in, in terms of like that's that's your your life's work, if you like. Mm. Yeah, it's funny because like when you're, when you're talking about that, I'm like, God, I really should get good at like deciding to focus on one thing at a time. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> it's just like, ah. And then I, I suppose in that sense, a lot of the things I do don't always end up finished or, you know, we're always kind of, I would never, I'd never say half-assed, but they're always kind of like in process, I would say, in, in, in progress, sorry. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I just, I think obviously the past year and a half, did allow there was some moments where I allowed me to kind of really sit with some of the things I had been doing and then the sort of transition into stage management was was almost like I almost thought I was going to be leaving dance behind a little bit and then all of a sudden when I started training in stage management things just started happening in dance and it was it was really exciting and I was like wow okay this who says I can't try and keep up everything that I want to do I just have to you know make sure that when I am with one thing I've got my focus on that and um and not just shutting the door to other things and and it's not necessarily easy but it's I don't think I don't think we should allow ourselves to believe that it's not possible and it's I guess it's sometimes it's often that we they're like buses you know I was talking to somebody uh, yesterday and they were saying like sod's law there's nothing there's hee-haw for a period of time but then everyone comes at the one time and you've just got to make those those decisions but like you say you were obviously reactive in those moments where you thought the stage management was going to be it and then other stuff just started to come in you're like yeah you've got to kind of go with your gut I would imagine a lot of these kind of things yeah and I think it's beautiful as well because like um, it's started to kind of come into play where actually some of the dance artists that I know are noticing that I'm doing stage management and like I've been approached um, for a potential project that essentially I might be understudying but also stage managing just so that they can see their solo on it like like take a step back and look at it but then when it actually comes to the performances I'll know the show in and and out and then be able to help stage manage it and I think that's something that you you can't write that job description you know what I mean like and that's really quite exciting and quite beautiful that that's come out of 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 it um and so much learning as well I think um this doing stage management the learning from that has helped me see dance and uh, not just dance but particularly dance in such a different way and not just the performative aspect but the actual um I don't know the whole persona that's involved with it as well and I, yeah I yeah. just I just feel like I'm constantly learning and it's really exciting so what was the impetus for going to do the stage management? Like, was there a defining moment? That you thought, <laughs> there totally was. I quite fancy that. <laughs> totally, you know, it's so funny. I've, right, so I've always wanted to train in something. I always wanted to train in something else as well because I was I like in the back of my mind, and I think this is possibly not even just in the back of my mind, but you know how you hear those things of like, oh, you're not going to be able to dance forever and all of this kind of stuff. And I, and I think nowadays that, that kind of is a bit bullshit. But I think part of me was, I just love learning. And I kind of always thought, well, it's always, everything for me has always been to do with the human body. 
Um, when I studied in art, it was because I was obsessed with drawing the musculature and the tone and the anatomy of bodies. And I wanted to do portraiture and all this kind of stuff. And then when I found out that you could actually train and dance, I was like, bye. And so then that was also to do with the body. And I was using my body rather than drawing the body. And so then I thought that would progress into potentially doing something like um, physical therapy or down the sciences route. And it wasn't until I was actually working choreographing a panto and uh, it was the first time I'd ever worked with a stage manager and now this is talking about probably three or four years out of having graduated in dance and don't get me wrong we worked with backstage tech throughout the whole of training and I'd done performances like I'd performed on numerous occasions but a lot of the time your choreographer or you as the choreographer work with the lighting technicians and the sound technicians you don't often see a stage manager when it comes to the the type of dance work that I was doing and if you did it was never really like necessarily well in the circumstances I was in I wasn't really introduced to them and so I was doing this panto and this uh, stage manager um, was there and I was like, I have no idea what she's doing. Like, I, what, what, you know, <laughs> what yeah. is she here for? <laughs> and it was like, as the whole thing pieced together and it came to the actual running of it, I was like, holy shit, she is on fire. <laughs> like, yes. she is so organized. She just is like, there was little things that were happening and it was, she was on it she's just on it and um I remember seeing her version like we call it like the bible or the the book essentially and just being just sort of essentially I was like I want to be that organized I want to be that on it in everything I do not just in a job but in life (laughs) and so I want to have a bible for my own life uh and uh yeah and so basically it was literally like I think this must have been Christmas it was obviously Christmas for Panto (laughs) around about March I was like maybe that's it maybe I need to be maybe I need to remain in theatre maybe I need to remain in the arts because that's where my passion truly is and I can't afford to study for three more years and do something like physiotherapy it's just not not on a freelance wage and you know trying to get a student loan for that it's just a nightmare and so I was like okay let's have a look at stage management and I looked up a course and I think I emailed them in May I had the interview in June and I was on the course in September you obviously were just like I had the prize I'm going to make this happen but like there's a lot at stake there as well do you know what I mean because the juggling act that that must have involved to study and still earn and like and you yeah. and come out I mean like you're saying it's still within the theatre world and that's a safe zone for you but it, it's not the same do you know what I mean? no. it's a totally different role yeah yeah exactly and I learned I had to literally like I went in blind I properly went in blind and that was one of the most beautiful things about the course that I did was that that I was never once made to feel stupid it was constantly like every day was a new day of learning different things and and I think I went in and I remember at the beginning because it was a very small class and we were you know it was kind of everyone was trying to fight their way or find their way and a little bit like because I was probably one of the older ones it was interesting to sort of sit back and be like I wonder when this is going to calm down <laughs> and I'm you're a mature not, student there Lizzie were you no, I wouldn't say mature but I'm like just a bit like oh, okay this is what it's like is it okay uh, but no it was such a, a lovely lovely group and everyone everyone did end up getting on but that that thing of like um 
I would go in and I would literally just be like, I don't know what that means. Like, because, you know, I was like, I'm too old, <laughs> too old to not ask. Like, I'm not going to get away with winging this one. I've got no fucking clue. And people would just be like, get quite like at the start people I think were a bit like oh she's a bit outspoken but it was literally I just had no idea and I needed to know in order to move forward and that was just amazing because everyone just carried each other and everyone was really respectful and and I mean a room full of stage managers is a room full of pretty intense people and well it's half sort of five technicians and 10 stage managers and yeah it was just just amazing to to just be in that environment and like you say I I went into that and I was paying like finance on a car, paying a mortgage and I managed to get a professional development loan to to pay for the fees. But essentially I I got rid of the car. I was like, no, I can't afford to have a car. But then I got all this teaching work that needed me to drive. And it was just like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And And a lot of life changes happened at that point. I was sort of like 29, about to be 30 and uh, yeah. Big, big life changes happened towards like I think about a month and a half into that course and then things just started slowing into place and that's probably like genuinely in the past few years where I feel like my life has really begun like yeah. I had an amazing time up until that point but uh, things just opened up and um, yeah like it's just been hectic and chaotic but in a really amazing way since then. Oh, your face just lit up when you said that, which is really nice. Like, it's lovely to hear that. And I think people listening, like, not that, my goodness, that 30 is like, not that 30 is like a, oh, well, you should have it all together by a 30. But some people might still feel like that. Even in this day and age, you think, surely people don't have that attitude. But I think still a lot of people do that. They would think, like, you have to have it sussed and you have to have decided what you're doing for the rest Mm. of your life. Or in, in... I think a lot of people will take like solace from the fact that you're saying like actually you know it was great up until yeah. that point but that was the moment where I felt like there was a real shift and like <clears> I was living my best life and yeah, yeah you can't necessarily just figure it out from the get-go yeah well that's it I mean I mean technically like up until that point I you could, probably could have said that I did have that kind of I had a career in dance I had a house or a flat even I had a car a relationship and then essentially that all shifted and I didn't have the house, didn't have the relationship, and then deliberately got rid of the car so that I could take on this course. And then actually that's where everything began. And and the fact that, yeah, I probably have more random stuff going on and, and less, I don't want to say less stability, because I think myself and myself I'm stable. But in terms of career, like obviously it's still very much freelance. It's still one thing to the next. And at the moment I'm in a gap and I've got, you know, maybe things coming up. But um yeah it it really got exciting at 30. It just shows you like not that you know it's a revelation necessarily but that you don't need certain things in place to create stability like like having the car and having the the job or or having work or whatever or having a relationship or a roof over your head that's that's yours or whatever that doesn't necessarily guarantee stability within yourself like it's like I guess maybe doesn't guarantee happiness either no 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 it's finding you and what what makes you tick and what Mm. you want to explore and that still might be change that might change but that's okay like saying Mm. change is good like change is not like a bad thing and being open to it it as well uh but I think like I said earlier on I think it's still really really brave a brave thing that you did to to retrain because you're not resting on your laurels you're getting into something totally new and 
if there is anybody listening to this and is going, oh, that's great, she went and done stage management. But what does a stage manager do? Oh, gosh, now I'm going to have to answer this and people are going to be like, emailing me being like what Lucy what did you tell them if that was oh, you gosh, know what you're talking about oh, you can okay. even give us an example of a show that you've worked on because I guess yeah just different variations of a stage yeah. manager yeah so I mean mm-hmm. you've got deputy stage manager stage manager and assistant stage manager and I'm talking about that's in a theatre situation and the best way for me to describe that is panto or a, a theatre show that's maybe like a long-running show and a deputy stage manager is the person who sit who sits through all the rehearsals, takes all the notes and writes down all the blocking of what's happening in the room. Um, and then they will then, in their book, which is has the script and all their notes, will then write alongside it all the lighting and the sound cues, the AV cues, any flying that happens on stage, which is when things are brought in and out, set-wise. And then during the actual performance run they'll sit at the side of stage and they will cue the lights the sound everything like that um the stage manager of a theater will oversee all of that do all the schedules make sure that the cast are okay um, they will then be in the wings overseeing everything in the performance run essentially in charge of the other the deputy stage manager and the assistant stage managers and the ASM so assistant stage manager which is what I did in Panto in the Tron Theatre which is could be up there in one of my favorite jobs such a yes. laugh um, <laughs> and we and like the year that so I, I um before I go into what that is the I did my placement there and then the following year they gave me the ASM role there and so I got my job the job there and that following year was the year that they had the first time they'd ever had a full female panto cast and instead of it being the traditional male and female drag it was female and male drag so it yes. was honestly one of the funniest shows I've ever seen in my life amazing cast were great <laughs> so anyway ASM um, we we make the props up until before the show so during the rehearsal period we source props we make them um that takes up a lot of time especially when it comes to panto because yes. there's a lot of elaborate kind of like silly things in there and a lot of color anything you can imagine oversized yeah, yeah. And um i did make an entire roast dinner out of paul's diary once um <laughs> very proud of how my potatoes looked <laughs> although they were a wee bit peely wally to begin with but we know from the director and designer and they looked wonderful afterward darling um, <laughs> peely wally tatties <laughs> no one wants peely wally roasties eh? uh, anyway so yeah and then when it comes to the actual um performance what i love about the asm role when you're you're running a performance is essentially it's kind of like a choreography because you have to you have a Oh, I'm going to get their names wrong. It's been like a year and a half since I've done this. But you have, um, it's like a running order. It's called a track. That's it. So you run a track and basically throughout the show, you're in a different place at a different time, but you're always in the same place at that same time. And you're looking after the cast, you're doing costume changes, you're making sure the props are in the right place, you're taking props off stage, you're bringing props on stage. Um, keeping an eye on the cast if you've not if you've got a moment where you're not necessarily doing something then you just make sure everyone's okay yeah but I mean so that's like the three main theatre ones but the last job I did as a stage manager was on a tour with All or Nothing aerial dance theatre called The Swings I was essentially liaising with all the venues um, helping get the set up in the morning doing the van unload and van load and looking after the performers um, there was not really props or anything once the show was up I actually had very little to do other than um, stand with the technician because he was working his magic 
Um, and then um, I actually was a little bit more front of housey as well in that sense where the audience could have shots on the swings after. So we were, I was sort of liaising with the audience and make sure they could all get on and making sure it was all COVID safe and apply, applying or attaching hose pipes to the swing ropes so that they, we could clean them in between and <laughs> little things like that. So yeah, like it, it totally changes depending on the job. It's so yeah. extensive. Like the fact that you're making like making props for like a professional show, but then the next minute you're doing this completely entirely different job, but it's obviously they're all and very the important. same title, yeah. yeah it's yeah, so yeah. true. And essentially uh-huh. like when it comes to like especially the stage management on tour is something I'd really wanted to do. That was one of the things I think I fell in love with it as well. The job was was that idea of like you're looking after the cast, you're looking after the performers. And it's really a really wonderful feeling when you notice something while they're maybe in a rehearsal and you just do one little thing and you don't even maybe need to say that you've done it. Like when it just makes that like everything of that little bit smoother or um or someone picks up on it and thanks you it's just that thing of like well yeah it's my job that's why I'm here and it's just nice to be able to do but I guess as a performer yourself you you will have went into that role no understanding what really helps a performer Mm -hmm. when you're in the zone and thinking because everybody's got their things to think about their mega list of stuff that they've got to keep on top of so it's almost like you had that kind of insight that must be you know invaluable to do that role of stage manager Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely helps. And I think it can it can be like a total help and a total hindrance. I know some people who've come through the directing route and gone into stage management and then sometimes it's that hard thing of being like, I wouldn't do it like that. But being able to then separate yourself because that's one of the things that I do love is that I'm managing to separate myself and be like, well, actually, let's focus on this role and don't put the choreographer brain on, you know, or that kind of thing. But then also having that brain and noticing something that will then be able to help the cast or the performers or the director if you're in that space with them is is a really nice feeling to be like oh actually suggest this you know and it's it's hard because it's tricky it's knowing when to do it as well and mm-hmm. when, to, when to keep your mouth shut <laughs> I can imagine how rewarding like you're saying that is that role and um, but also like the, the kind of organization aspect of it like as much as you are a creative and you've got your outlets for that creativity and not to say that being a stage manager isn't creative because clearly it is. Yeah. But yeah. there's also that other aspect, that planning, organisation, like diligence, like being having to be really, really focused and present in the moment. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, that, see that job side of stage, like with the book and all that, like calling stuff, like queuing everything. Oh my God, that looks like the actual most stressful thing <laughs> ever. Like, I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how you do that. Well, this is it. I haven't done that role yet. Like I've done it. In training, but yes. I haven't. Oh, other than I did it, I did it in the fringe after I trained. So my first job was um, calling a show in the fringe, but I wasn't calling. I was actually just sitting with the desk and I was pressing the space bar. So like, I, I luckily didn't have to call it because then you're responsible for the technician getting it right. Whereas I was only responsible for myself in that sense. But it was, yeah, it was quite stressful. And I think having a bigger show where you are on the book and you're calling everything for all the people, I think that would <laughs> I'm I'm in two minds about whether I could manage that one. I know I think I probably could, but it okay. does it does bring the fear. I guess. <laughs> uh, that, that that I would be constantly going. Is it now? If I do it now, no, no. I think that's a whole other level of like responsibility that I just that amazes me. It amazes yeah. me. 
But then but, you um, have to remember that they've been in the room from the very beginning of rehearsals, so they know yes, the show, like the actors know the show, you know, or yeah. the performers in the show. So it's like you knowing the choreography like the back of your hand, you know, like when you're yes. choreographing something, you're the one who can watch it and go, that was out of time, or that arm was too high, or, you know, like you you see that and you know it inside out, and it's essentially that the DSM's role the only scary point is when some the DSM's off and one of the other people have to step up and rely on the book to then go, oh, and now. No. <laughs> That's when it's the fear. <laughs> Gosh. But I'm just thinking about, um, not to say people are ignorant or anything, but like, you know, anybody that attends like a show or, or just young people, you know, I'm thinking about young people that are thinking about going into mm-hmm. the performing arts. I've had this discussion before with a performer that some people don't realise what's going on and how many people are involved and like the arts are a viable option these these roles exist and yeah. they are vital like yeah. there, there wouldn't be shows without yeah. stage management forget yeah. the choreography forget the performers it's interesting that people probably don't realize just what goes in to putting mm. on a production no it's so true it's the sort of backstage roles are just there's so many and I think a lot of them only became really apparent to me when I started training in stage management. I'd obviously worked a lot with with um, sort of lighting technicians and, I mean, some of them in their own right, lighting designers, but I'd never actually had the joy to actually sit down with a lighting designer and design anything. A lot of time I was going in, especially with the youth companies that I was teaching, I was literally going, this is kind of the idea that I want. And we'd have 10 minutes to kind of bash something yes. out, you know. And that they were so skilled because they would always bash out something brilliant, you know. But other than that, it was still kind of like everything was quite fresh and really, really exciting to be in then in the environment, going into placements and actually doing it in real time. Because that was one of the beautiful things about the course was it was sort of 10 months in total. But five months of that was learning and theory and in-house sort of sitting down and, and doing it. And then five months of that was placements. So many amazing placements, so many amazing people. And everyone that came in to teach us actually when we were learning in the um, classroom, were all working professionals as well. So they're all still working in their game. When we were working together, that was at the point where you then went to do your yoga training. The yoga came first before yeah, stage management. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the yoga training was very much, um, for me, a personal journey. And wasn't necessarily like, oh, I, I'm now going to be a yoga teacher. Um, I think it was much more, uh, I'm going to be able to immerse myself and truly focus on the physicality of it. But also, I was really particular in choosing one that delved into the philosophy of yoga as well. And actually, it's interesting that I say, oh, 2019, um, or not 2019, 2018, that sort of when I was 29, everything kind of mm-hmm. kicked off. But it was the start of that year that I did my yoga teacher training. And I think that's where all my sort of shifts started to happen, but I wasn't aware of them. And then towards the end of the year, that's when things just kind of, I mean, I think shit hit the fan, but then it also let me come up for air, which was really interesting. It was kind of like, it felt like one thing. And then all of a sudden it was like, and I grew wings and I was like, whoa, <laughs> didn't that's know that, so that, cool. that one thing would impact me in that way. thought it might have been the other. But yeah, um, but yeah, the yoga yeah. teacher training, that was this beginning of 2018. And it was um, midway through September 2018 that I started training in stage management. But the yoga was great. Like I didn't necessarily come home and teach. Um, you went to I, India to do your training? Yeah, yeah. I went for, um, so the training was about 28 days and I was out there for about 40 days in total stayed in an ashram and you sort of you were sort of training six days a week one day off training was scheduled starting at like 7 a.m which is isn't isn't that early compared to a lot of trainings actually 
but then you're kind of like your study time was all the way up to like 8 p.m 9 p.m yeah. I mean that was self-study time but you you did it because of course I you yeah. want to lap everything up and just like immerse yourself in it yeah it's, like, it's a whole different experience I can't imagine what that was like whereabouts in India were you so it was quite an, I know quite a western part of India I was in Goa a place called Mandram um and I studied Shivananda style yoga which is a, ha- a form of hatha but it's sort of a lot of the time you start with standing series and end sort of seated of in inversions and headstand is like normally like the last pose but with shivananda it like flips it on its ass and you start with headstand and work through all of the sort of chakras or your um in endocrine system all your glands so you start headstand and then do shoulder stand and then work down and you finish standing so you, right. it's really it's really really beautiful practice really interesting practice and since then I've done vinyasa training as well and a few other types of training that and I'm, I mostly now practice uh more of vinyasa style but I because because Shivananda is a bit like um ashtanga where it has a set routine mm-hmm. it's nice to it's nice to go back to it because it's one that you just know okay, if you're yeah. not really you know sometimes you're like I just don't want to think about it today I don't want to yes. think what I'm going to do so it's one that you can just do what does dance and yoga each give you that the other one doesn't Hmm. dance self-expression yoga gives me um i try to think of how to word this there's no judgment there's like a peace a sense of peace and a sense of uh groundedness and i find yeah like with with yoga there's the rehabilitation aspect but it's a it's a sort of true connectedness um yeah it's hard to explain but if you're comparing the two there's always that I think especially in the career realm of dance and I'm I'm much more away from that now I think for me like I'm more in the improvisational kind of realm (laughs) and I do get that like where you really get that self-expression but there's always that little bit of analysis involved or or judgment and whether that's mm-hmm. self-judgment or um judgment from other outside other other eyes but with yoga I feel like that's completely removed and it's everything's about the the process and the groundedness and the breath and because I didn't train in yoga to for it to be a career or for it to be mm-hmm. the reason that I make my living there's no like external eye over it even though that external eye is my eye when it comes to dance you know it's so interesting and and I'm gradually like I'm managing to let that shift and that's where I'm like I said at the beginning like earlier sorry earlier on I was saying like I'm finding dance in a new way now and I and I think it's it's to try and not put so much pressure and it's to to find find what it is for for me rather than trying to tick anyone else's box in, the, in terms of like the self-expression that you get from dance, is that what you get from po- poetry? <laughs> yeah. Has that been like a, a journey from the dance to the poetry, do you think? It's really interesting because, so I only started, like, um, it's really hard to decide how to explain when I started writing. Because I started, like, I, I started writing when I was about 13 or 14. And I had books and books of poems and I called them songs back then because I just was like obsessed with them being lyrics. But they essentially, looking back at them, they were they're mostly poetry. 
and the songs are poetry, obviously, but um, I never, they never developed into anything more than the words on the page because I'm not necessarily a musical person other than the musicality of my body. Uh, I love singing though, FYI. <laughs> Listen, I'm not even. I'm not even a bit surprised that you can sing. I didn't say I can sing. I said I love singing. Everyone can sing. <laughs> Everyone can sing. Oh, God, I'm not bad, Lisa. I'm not bad. <laughs> Had my first karaoke night the other night. It was wonderful. Oh, <laughs> oh, it's my, oh honestly, it's the first experience ever. It was quite funny. Anyway, uh, <laughs> poetry. But yeah, I am. Um, so there's been like on and off throughout my life I've kind of kept journals and stuff and I, and a lot of the time I write when I travel a lot of the times when I would write a poem would be either on the train or on a plane and so there's snippets that have popped up in the past sort of five or ten years that I've written but I really really strongly started writing sort of 2018 2019 again grew wings blah 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 got really really into it again I think it's always been there it just kind of flows out like it's not I don't sit down and go I think I'll write a poem today it literally and I'm sure you're the same because I know that you write as well and um one this of the things I'm that, like no not really not real no <laughs> not real things I love it I love I love what you share I think it's oh, awesome thanks. and it got me really really excited when I started to see you sharing poetry because I was it kind of gave me a bit more confidence to 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 start try and start sharing mine as well and I'm getting oh, there my word um, I mean, like, let me say, like, your poem, My Skin, is just beautiful. And yeah. your um, your reading of it is, like, next level. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's really something else. Thank you. Um, that means a lot. That one, that one came out of me sitting in my windowsill in the flat that I was staying in in lockdown, trying to get some work done. And it just it just spilled out and then it was it was interesting because just before so my first poetry reading was meant to be the 4th of April 2020 that fell through and I actually probably wasn't ready in the sense that I hadn't learned any of them off by heart when I know you can read them as well you don't like I went to a poetry reading for the international festival last night and they read them off a piece of paper it's okay to read them but I think this sort of this performer in me is like, I know I must learn them off my heart. You know, it's like, it's, it's a choreography. I must punish it? myself. I must do the hardest thing possible. Here yeah. we go. And then I can prove myself. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> Awful, isn't it? Um, but, uh, <laughs> so yeah, then that one just, I was, uh, I didn't know what was happening in my wee head, but I recorded it um, in my living room and I sent it to my friend, a good friend of mine who's a photographer. And I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm really feeling this. I feel like it's some, like I feel like it's something, and I feel like it's, it's me, and I, I feel like I need, I need it to be more um, than just me terribly recording off my broken iPhone in a living room. And he was like, right, well, you know, when we can, let's get in the studio and we can try and record it. And I was like, amazing. So, and he's been amazing as well. He's like one of my best pals, and he's really kind of helped me. I think because I hadn't really let I sometimes send stuff to friends who I know are always gonna you know bat bat for my team yeah, <laughs> like you know I think but at the same time having sort of his artistic perspective on it as well and and like hearing him say yeah you need to record more or what else have you got or blah 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 and that really really helped kind of get me to come out of my shell with it a bit and um would get me to kind of recite it again and again and again in the studio and and so we we have recorded a few more, um, 
so I'm hoping to kind of release them soon. Awesome. I recorded, so I, my next one that I recorded is a Scottish one um, called All The Wee Hings, or lock, it's called Lockdown in Ahin. <laughs> and, and this is why, like, I felt it, like, as well, because I, oh God, when, I can't remember, I think I wrote it, like, right at the start of lockdown, or when it was that point where, like, we're a month or two in and we're all missing our pals. And then when I started to see your stuff come out, I was like, yes, <laughs> this reminds me of my one. Um, but I didn't also at the same time want to re- release that as my second one because it felt, feels like I've only written one poem in, in my kind of Scots and kind of in my slang or whatever. Hmm. And so I think the next one, uh, which I have recorded as well, which I recorded a bit later after that one, is is similar to the My Skin. And it's more about that kind of um, perspective of women and perspective of how how you're made to feel by the media and how and how that impacts you and it's called dainty and it, it's actually I think it's on my Instagram my personal one maybe not my there's a there's an excerpt of it on my on my Lucy May Speak Instagram but um that one I felt like was a good one to follow my skin and that's the beauty of language and and using it to like like you have to express yourself and and yeah what you maybe can't express through one medium it might yeah. be easier than another. So there'll be, I guess there'll be things that you've explored in terms of your own choreography and dance and, and your improvisations, but the poetry's maybe another outlet for other yeah, stuff, maybe. I think, yeah, it's interesting. Like I think with the poetry, it's what I can't necessarily express through my body without it. There's definitely ways that I can express a feeling with my body, but it, sometimes it's it's like I want I want people to fucking know like that like this is my skin you can't say that just with a move you know you can maybe portray it you can maybe you can definitely put movement to it but essentially people can get anything from movement with the poetry I'm able to say it as it is and a lot of the time it can relate to people in different ways as well but at least what I've said is what I've said and and for me poetry has been a massive way of processing of actually coming to terms with with things that have happened or things that are going on in my life and a lot of the time I don't even know what's going on until it's written it on the page and I go oh okay yeah <laughs> this is okay right this is um oh, okay <laughs> well it's like, I guess other people would do you know, they would do yoga they would get that through their yoga practice or they would get that through painting or they would get it through journaling but you have this outlet that allows you to be your most authentic self. Yeah. Even when yeah. you don't like, you know, it's not a conscious thing. Sometimes it yeah. just comes out unconsciously. Do you think that you, you know, talking about being able to express certain things through dance and then being interpreted in certain ways, the same with your poetry, do you think you would ever combine the two? So funny you saying that, Lisa. Because I mean, <laughs> and, I, and I'll just say for the listeners, I did not know about this. Whatever you're about to say, so I'm just that's my intuition, you know. Uh, yeah, it's 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 been on my mind for a while, um, and I have no idea if if I personally am going to make it work. I know other people have made it work. I've got a residency at Life Arts Centre um, in two weeks' time. Um, four days, major major beginning research and development, like completely non-funded, just me off the bat being like, let's go and do this and see what happens. And I'm absolutely terrified because I am my biggest enemy in in terms of creativity and like um harsh criticism but Mm. I think the poetry is going to be my anchor because I'm more critical of my movement 
Um, so I, I, I really hope that when I start to move for the poetry and start to explore that, then I can actually just know that it's about the words and it's not about how it looks or, or I mean, obviously it, it will be to some extent, but I want it to just be, it's, it, I want it to come through in its truest form and I don't, I don't want to have to try and think about, oh, but I want it to look like this because I want it to, to be, to be about the words and be about the poetry and the meaning behind it. So yeah, I'm excited to explore that. Uh, like I said, terrified. But there but. you go again, like, you know, you're saying that you get in your own way or whatever, but you, you that may be to a point, but you also let yourself be scared because you do things. You go and do the stage management, even though that's like totally alien and it's about, you know, the juggling act and giving up work and all the rest of it. Mm. You then book this residency and you go and do it. You're doing yourself a disservice by saying that you get in your own way because you actually don't. You're making this happen and the movement will be what it's meant to be. Yeah, yeah, it will. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, it's really exciting. It's, I feel like I think as well. Like I feel for a while it, I've not really been that creative, and I think a lot of my creative outlet was was allowed to happen when I was working with youth companies because teenagers are amazing. And the one of the groups particularly that I was working with were just so amazing and intelligent and unique and just as young people are because they're constantly growing and learning and and we created some amazing amazing work and that was essentially at that time was a lot of my creative output in the court and the choreography that I was doing especially when I started to study again because I kept that on while I was studying and then mm-hmm. when stage management gigs really came up I had to uh, step away from dance or I was more when I was dancing for a couple of choreographers it was more their process so what I wasn't necessarily creating other than sometimes doing tasks for them hmm. and so it's been a while and I think that's probably where the po- why the poetry became so strong in those couple of years because I needed that creative outlet and it's been such a, a long time to ha- that, that it's been since I've had that dance creative outlet that it feels like this is now the time to get to try and get back into it and especially because I have a stimulus I think I've always been like I really want to create something but I don't know what I want to create in terms of dance and now you have it now you have well that's it like I've always been like I don't have a I don't have a piece in my head some people go I want to create a piece about this and now that the the poetry is there and that there's you know some of it will always just be poetry in its own right or spoken word in its own right because I definitely want to explore the spoken word side of things and just have it as is you know spoken mm. but there's some of it as well that that would I think be justified through movement and how mm. to explore that is going to be really interesting I'm I'm gonna hopefully one day look out for some um sound designers and there's potential to soundscape some of it and uh, I mean we worked with some amazing sound designers when we were training in stage management Pippa Murphy came in and gave us a lesson in how to use QLab and how to like loop mute like not just loop but like how to generally create a soundscape Pippa Murphy she worked with um Kareen Polwart I don't know if you've heard of her she's beautiful but yeah so like that's an example of in stage management the people that came to work with us were just so like top of their field just amazing and one of the most wonderful things is when you have someone who's like an expert in their field and you ask the most mundane and stupid question and they talk to you like it's the most joyous thing that they get to share with you rather than talk down to you as if to say I can't believe you don't know this and that is to to be humble in that way 
is just truly beautiful and something that I'm constantly learning from and trying to do as well. And I'm not saying I'm an expert in my field. That's not what I'm saying is, but what, but the way that you can respond to people and be around people is, I would say one of the, like it's half the battle in life because kindness, you know, like doesn't cost anything. And it's just such a beautiful thing to then have that experience when, someone is open to sharing with you something that you don't know and you Absolutely. you don't feel and and half the time you don't want to ask that question because you've got the fear of of being made to look stupid or the fear of being seen as stupid and mm-hmm. yeah i think like going back to his training stage management when i was saying that like, that was where the question thing came up it was it was constantly feeling supported and carried and a lot of the time up until that point I always felt like I couldn't ask the questions and then in when that really when I could in that environment I was like wow I've been missing out that's why I love this podcast (laughs) that's all I get to do is ask questions like I just want to know more do you know what I mean like we can all learn every day should be a school day right up to the very end I think it's dead important and I think especially you and I know the joy of working like you're saying working with young people and showing your authentic self and showing your um your vulnerabilities like not claiming to know at all like mm-hmm. I've had loads of young people ask me stuff and I'm like no, no. I don't know <laughs> let's go and find out like yeah. ask somebody or let's google it or do you know what I mean yeah. like not claiming to know it all or have done it all or whatever and and yet it's lovely you've got you, you'll have your you've got your experiences you've, you'll have your expertise that that people can come and ask you questions and they will have and you'll have been able to be that support for other people mm. but also that you should continue to do that in whatever you're doing doesn't matter if it's the dance the poetry the yoga the stage management like there's always room to learn from other people and from whatever age as well like the exactly. stuff I've learned from young people at working way and just the way they are and that vulnerability and like being yourself and yeah 100 percent. i think as well like just being able to like you say go in into that environment and be your authentic self which I mean I'm maybe, I'm maybe just speaking for myself here but I feel like you might relate to this but it can, can be a bit like chaotic and sporadic and fun and silly and you know like whatever right. it can be but I think allowing people rather than just going in and being like right I'm your teacher I need to be focused and I need to be sensible and you know seen as smart and intelligent blah 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 but I think when they start to see your nuances and the fact that you're a bit of a quirky weird ass person that yeah. is part of the beauty of it as well because then they actually get to be like oh I'm not I'm not the only one who's a bit weird you know <laughs> this one's just metal <laughs> like, you know you let your guard down a bit and just have a bit of fun and yeah yeah but I think in any realm whoever you're working with like you were saying it's just yeah if you can show who you are and be your authentic mm-hmm. self as best you can it only makes for better interactions and, yeah and better better like products better processes like all of the above yeah yeah. And I think like what you're saying, you should be learning until like the very last day. I, I totally agree. And it doesn't mean I'm actively good at seeking out, constantly trying to learn, but it's about being open to learning something when someone says something and you're like, oh. Learning doesn't need to be facts and figures. Like exactly. I know the tallest mountain and I know yeah. the longest river. Yeah. Like it, it's literally like learning how to be a better human. Yeah, well, that's it. And I think as well, I think I just think life would be so dull if if you felt like you knew it all there's so many takeaways from this conversation but that's a big takeaway for for me that it's never too late people no. like just follow your gut and do the things that you want to do and that and that, 
that's not just like yeah leave your job and sell your can no, it's absolutely. hard sacrifices have been made and like yeah and sometimes those saying. those things aren't choices <laughs> true, story. <laughs> true story you're doing the things that you know, spark joy as much yeah, as you can and, to, and that's yeah. important loving life as your instagram says oh love life Oh, I don't because like, going to change that I now. Like, I know. Well, I don't think I could ever be seen as one of those like live, laugh, love people. <laughs> well, you should. I think. I think you should definitely. You know, you're talking about that dating profile. That could be your tagline after you've decided what your new name is. <laughs> uh in the beginning, don't make me hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> now we're moving on to what's called the hingamajigs. I'm aware of time. I, I'm always like, yeah, it takes a bit an hour, and then folk are like, does Sorry. it really? No, no, it's me. It's me. I'm all my my blethering. Um, yeah, these questions are chosen at random okay. for each guest from a list of like 70 odd. Okay. So what does the world need more of? I, I think kindness, because I think everything stems from kindness and or not everything stems from not being kind. You know, I'd love to be like a really absolutely hilarious comedian and come up with an absolute belter of an answer, but. I'm not going to push it. No, no hilarious <laughs> answers needed. I think that was a perfect, perfect answer. You did mention karaoke earlier on, and then, so I'm super intrigued. What is your karaoke song of choice? Oh, well, this is hard because obviously I've only ever done karaoke once. I did Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. That was my choice because, actually, funnily enough, I was having a wee sing song with my, when I was in the park the other day with my pal, and she was like, that needs to be your karaoke song. And so that was the reason I chose it, but yeah. Nice one. So you stick them with that one, or do you think the next day? I mean, I, I mean, the other songs I probably couldn't even tell you what we sang. So, <laughs> yeah. And the question to ask everyone, because it's called the Brown the Brave, is what is your favourite Scottish I've, word or phrase? I've been waiting for this one. I okay. So there's a few. I like te- tackles, an old one I used to say as a teenager. Tackles, like I think it's Dundonian. I do not know this. So tackles like tackle. It's like amazing. Like that is awesome. It's like the dog's ball. Really? It's like yeah. <laughs> I think tackle. it's Dundonian. Tackle. T E T E C K L E tackle. That is that's never been said. Like <laughs> on the podcast, you're a first. I different. I can't really take ownership for that. It's like my one of my first boyfriends used to say it all the time, and uh, okay. when I was living in Dundee. And uh, hanging, I love like when you're net the next day you're absolutely hanging. And um, so this is one that came up on tour. And apparently, I I tried to check in with my Dundee pals because I was trying to figure out if it's Dundonian. But everyone on tour, like especially the the two Scots, were like, oh, I've never heard of that mate. And uh, is a a forky tailie? What? <laughs> no, it's in a forky daily. Is that just like a like a Wilson family thing? It's like it's an um, ear an earwig. Like the wee earwigs the fork the tails are like forks. <laughs> <laughs> a forky daily. Let's Google that. Forky <laughs> Did you Google it? No? Forky I don't know if I did. I messaged on my Dundee Palace and they were like, is that a- <gasps> Look at the images! It's a forky daily. See? Told you. Told you. Well done, you. You've said two that have not been on the podcast. That's pretty decent. Oh, maybe I've just said two that are entirely made up. Tackle and forky daily. I like Peely Wally. We said Peely Wally potatoes earlier. That's a good one. We did. 
uh, my friend, so I had a conversation with my friend because I was like, I'm going on this podcast and I need to remember what my favorite Scottish word, what do I say? And she was just like, I just know a really good phrase. And I was like, okay, tell me it. And so the, he, oh no, I think I, we were talking about something and I said the phrase and she was like, what does that mean? And it's like when you say he, he, he thinks he's Erchie. Have you heard of that? Erchie? He thinks he's pure Erchie. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. This is like an education. Everybody is a school day. Everybody is a school day. I mean, so you're, you're, you're West, aren't you? So I'm Dundee. So that's maybe where all the yes. lost, lost in translation. I've not spent a lot of time in Dundee, uh, clearly. Right, well, clearly. What does that mean? <laughs> the Yankees, the ticket. I like, yeah. Like, Same thing. Pure, amazing. Like, the dog's bollocks. Like, he uh, he thinks he's Erchie. But different to tackle. Different to tackle. Like, Erchie's like, mm, I'm, I'm like God's gift. Got you, but Tekel's like, ah, oh, that's that, like, that oh. is amazing because it is amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, I have to say, listen, mate, you're definitely your Tekel. This has been all the things. I mean, for my anything else, it's been an education to learn lots of new words. I've been a good day at school today. But also it's been a total joy because this has been lovely to catch up yeah. and, and just really hear like what's been going on really like because you see stuff on social media. I know. You don't get to, to really know the journey and it's just been really interesting, dead fascinating and I'm, I'm just really grateful that you've taken the time to come on the podcast. Thanks so much. No, Lovely. thank you. I've absolutely, absolutely loved it. It's been really nice to catch up too. I feel like I want to know more about what you're up to now because it's Fuck, I'm just in this cupboard doing this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do like it's really nice to like I love keeping up um up to speed with you on, on social media as well. And it's sometimes a bit strange, isn't it, when because you, you follow people and you see what they're up to and then you actually don't realise that you haven't had a conversation in about four years. <laughs> but you're so aware of what everyone's doing, you know, or, or snippets of this sort of social, mm. social media life. And that is the joy of it. Like, I mean, I've found so many people to do the podcast on this and people that, like yourself, like I've worked with. And you're like, actually, we've not worked together in a number of years, but yeah. it feels like you're able, you still know that person because you've still been able to keep up with aspects of their life. And yeah. But no, honestly, I'm, I'm really, I'm really, really grateful to been asked to be on this because I I do I love the podcast and I remember like one day being like oh do you know what that would be like a goal to be on be on Braun the Brave and (laughs) no I'm not even kidding you like I'm such a geek right and honestly if you uh, my pal who I was with when you messaged me and I was just I was just so excited and I was like so yeah that's kind I love doing this it's a total joy and um listen mate you are you're a dream oh thank you thanks who are you I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Braun the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.